If you're a parent, teacher, or school leader, and you're sick and tired of the frustration, anger, and unfair treatment of children at high risk in our public schools, then perhaps it's time for all of us to do something about it. In this podcast, Dr. Amitra Berry brings you tips, tools, strategies, and tactics to build successful solutions while touching, moving, and inspiring all of us to transform our schools so that every child thrives. Here's your host, Dr. Berry. Hey there, Equity Warriors. Thanks for joining me today. Um, I just want to make a little bit of a, a, a note to you all what's coming in the new year. So I've noticed that some of you really like those longer professional learning type sessions. So I'm going to get you some of those um, early in the new year. I will, I will work to bring you at least one a month. Now, keep in mind, professional learning is how I make my living. So if I give it to you all in a podcast, I'm going to be basically unemployed. Can't do that. But there are some things um, that we can dig deep into. Intersectionality is one. Um, decentering whiteness in our curriculum is another. So those are coming along with um, equity in school funding and talking about, um, I don't know, equity in school funding. There was one more. Anyhow, it's coming. They're coming. There'll be deeper dives. We'll go a little bit longer. But I do like to keep these generally to about the time of recess or lunch at the most so that those of you who are in classrooms can take part, can get a little bit of nourishment uh, in your regular workday and then get back to the work of teaching for learning. All right. So what's going on? Well, let's I, I, I want to bring you my um, reaction, so to speak, on a voice from the sunken place. And this is uh, an article I read. It was an African-American's take on the controversy over CRT, critical race theory. But let's start with some basics, right? Important to have some background. African, African-American, and Black are three different identities. Let me define those for you so that we're all starting on the same page with the same understandings. Africans are people of Africa, born on the continent, whatever country it is. They are African, just as I am North American, right? Born in, on the continent of North America. African Americans, like many hyphenated Americans, eh, for background, we have people, Black people in America, we're called African Americans. We were also called something I won't say right now, the N-word, right? That was our name for a while. Colored, African American, Afro-American, Negro, actually Negro came after colored, if I want to get those sequential, um, and Black. And I, I, I do talk about using, letting people identify themselves, creating their own identities. Why don't you ask me what I am? Don't just call me Negro or colored or African-American. Ask me. Now, not everybody agrees that Black people in America should be called Black. There is a small aging group, typically, um, who prefer still to be called Negro or colored. And in fact, what was I reading a few days ago? And it was a criticism about um, 
it was a different criticism about equity work in 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 the schools and and behavior and they refer to people of color as colored and i thought woo okay um no we are not colored anymore there is not a box of crayons um that have painted our bodies in any event african american i use that term specifically for people who have immigrated to america from africa their experience, their lived experience on their home continent and their adopted continent or country is different. Okay, so African-American and then black. And I, I prefer the term black for myself because it speaks to the, the history, our ancestry, and the 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 lives we've lived specifically in America as people of color who have been marginalized since before this country was founded. So 400 years, that experience is different. I talked in the last episode about weathering, right? The weathering that has occurred in our bodies over multiple generations is different. Right. So very, very different experiences. I also want to acknowledge um, my listeners in other countries from around the world that the definitions that I give specific to African, well, not so much African, that one's African, um, but African-American. It could be African-Australian. It could be African-German. I don't know that you hyphenate. I think America is the only country that hyphenates everything. So if you're an African living in Germany, you're probably just an African living in Germany. If you're a black person from America living in Germany, you're a black person in Germany living abroad. So the lived experiences are different. They're very different depending on where you're from and where you are now. Okay? And then, of course, of course, I'm going to assume, if not, go back and listen to it so you understand the sunken place. Right. So people of color, black people, black Americans um, who are in the sunken place can be very much like African-Americans who are in the sunken place. And the article that I read made me immediately. Recognize. That this was written by an African-American in the sunken place. Complicit with racist peoples, complicit with racist institutions. That self-imposed, internalized self-hate that is called internalized racism. So why was I reading this in the first place? Well, every single morning, I spend about 30 minutes reading the briefs that fill my inbox. And these are news articles, magazines articles, research papers, um, and I mean, when I say research papers, I'm talking like the peer-reviewed stuff that, that appears in, in journals. Um, and I say about 30 minutes. Sometimes it's 15 minutes. Sometimes it's two hours because there's some really good stuff going on. And I don't just read stuff that I agree with. It's important to understand the thinking from multiple perspectives about racism, anti-racism, diversity, equity, inclusion. Because if you don't listen to all perspectives, right, 
You have to have cognitive humility. You have to understand that there are other ways of thinking. Recognize those. Listen to those. And then you determine how your thinking aligns with or disagrees with, refutes other ways of thinking. Now, you know, like every other equity warrior, we know our way is best. I am smiling in case you can't hear that in my voice. So how do you deal with a person of color who has some authority, as this author did, as as writing for a news journal? Um, And honestly, so here's what I did. Let me talk to you about what I did, and then I'll give you some tips and strategies about what you can do. So after I read the article, and I'm going through this article thinking, huh, really? Wow. Where did you come from? And so I said, let me check this person out, this African-American male. And did my own research, of course, always do your own research. Don't just trust what someone says. Um, And this was an African in America different lived experience from me as a Black American. And talking about CRT in schools and school systems who had zero experience, zero expertise on the education system of America. So how do you come off as an authority on CRT in schools and be a proponent, a proponent of essentially white supremacist thinking and telling educators what they should and shouldn't be doing in the classroom when you're not an educator, you're not a teacher, you're not a teacher educator, you're not an education researcher. You have no expertise and cited no one with any expertise in your articles. Be careful. Be careful with what you read and what you take from that reading or listening. Be very careful. And so what do you do? Well, let's consider a few things. One, just because someone occupies a melanated black or brown body does not mean that they speak for all black people. It does not mean that they speak for all brown people. Remember that. I don't speak for every person of color. I am one voice of many, but I would venture a guess that I probably reflect the consensus of peoples of color, of black and brown bodies, and particularly of black bodies. That asking people of color to speak for everyone of their race, of their ethnicity, happens all the time. White people do this to us all the time. For those of you who watched the show Blackish, and I, I hate that it's gone off the air, but it was a logical conclusion. The kids were growing up, leaving home. In that show, Dre, the main character, for those of you who've never watched, it's available on Hulu uh, if you want to go back and, and check it out if you never did. Typically, or very often, was the only black person in the room until that secondary character came in, and then there were two. And so he was always asked in, in, in 
effect, his his role at this advertising agency was uh, for urban, urban in quotes, that code word for black, urban accounts, right? And so they were always asking him, what do black people think? He didn't know what all black people think. Nobody ever sits in a room and says, okay, what do white people think? Ask the one white person, what do all white people think about this? It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I've had Asian colleagues and clients tell me how they've been the only Asian in the room and been asked, well, what do Asians think? Right? And one who said to me, you know, I'm Korean. How do I know what all Asians, Filipino, Chinese, Japanese, all of the Asian countries, how do I know whose cultures are different and unique? I can't speak for all of them. But yet we're asked. So as you're listening, keep in mind, no one person speaks for all people of their race or ethnicity. Lived experiences matter a lot. The lived experience of an African is different from the lived experience of an African-American, is different from the lived experience of a Black American, is different from the lived experiences of someone of African origin or African ancestry, excuse me, from South America or the Caribbean. Yes, we all got to this part of the world the same way. Those of us who've been here for multiple generations, that 400 years, right? We all came over as part of the Middle Passage. But the experiences in the Caribbean and South American nations that imported slaves back in the 16 and 1700s, very different lives for them compared to here in the United States, right? Black Americans here, 245 years of enslavement, 100 years of legalized formal oppression, Jim Crow, and my entire lifetime, another 60 years, where we've been fighting specifically to have equal rights and been passed over and passed over and passed over, still fighting for the right to vote. Keep in mind, the Voting Rights Act has to be renewed. I'm not trying to go off topic. But why is it that we can't have a law, a law, not an act that has to be renewed depending on who's in Congress? It's so tenuous. Our lived experiences matter. And so as an equity warrior, as an ally, if you are a melanemic person who's an equity warrior, we have to recognize that the lived experiences of everyone, and particularly people of color, are valid and they're valued. While my lived experience is very different from the lived experience of the African-American man who wrote that article that says that there's CRT in schools where there is not, that supports white supremacist thinking, his lived experience is not mine. 
But I recognize that he has had a different experience, that his experience is valid, and there is some value to it, if nothing else, but for me to have this opportunity to teach you all that that is out there, and it is not the only experience, and it is not the voice of every Black person. We have to respect each other's perspectives, even when they disconnect or disagree with our own. And that is why we engage in conversation. That's why we have dialogue. That's why we confront, but with guardrails, because we need to keep it civil. So I want you to go back to your roadmap to emancipation. And if you don't have it, go to 3epodcast.com, sign up for the show, you get your free copy. Go to that roadmap to emancipation, go to checkpoint 12, which is about examining assimilation and recognize, perfect for this context, that assimilation is used as a weapon to divide. See, when people are trying to assimilate, let's say when, when melanated people are trying to assimilate into American culture, It is a weapon that divides melanated people who recognize that our experiences are different. The way the laws impact us is different. The way the schools educate us is different. Assimilation used as a weapon to divide that strips away the power of knowing who we are. That ability to have pride in the culture of our ancestors. Check that because assimilation prevents us from working to become anti-racist. Again, the experiences of Africans, African-Americans, and Black people are different. Continue to join me every week. Send me your questions, topics, and requests at AskDrBerry.com. I will answer those questions and bring you experts to help address those topics. Let's not worry about the things we cannot change. Let's change the things we can no longer accept. I'll see you next time. That's it for today's episode of the 3E Podcast. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in a grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value private VIP day with Dr. Barry herself. Be sure to head over to 3epodcast.com and pick up a free copy of Dr. Barry's gift. Then join us on the next episode.